Almost seven years after he left MLS, Clint Dempsey is officially back and is now the highest paid player in MLS. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? How's it going, Garrett? It's doing well, man. Uh, I think I was, you know, one of the hundreds and hundreds of soccer fans that tuned into uh, MLS Live or watched it on TV if you had that uh, availability. But like me and everyone else, I mean, I was watching Clint Dempsey's return on Saturday. Oh, it was, uh, you know, it was, there was some kind of, it didn't have the buzz that his Seattle introduction did a week ago, but uh, it was, it was still a great moment to see uh, Clint Dempsey come back to MLS, get back on the field. It was a little anticlimactic, the fact that it came in Canada and, you know, he comes onto the field to a chorus of boos and, you know, it's funny, I think that's probably, that's one of the few, pretty much the Canadian venues are the places where you would expect that uh, Clint Dempsey to be booed. Um, but still, he came on the field. I uh, thought he did well. Actually, I thought he played a good game. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a good start for him. Well, I mean, it, look, it's it's good that, yes, he, he made his debut. I mean, obviously, I think Seattle wanted to wait a little bit into the second half. I mean, bad news, he came on early, which made everyone happy. But obi Faye Martins had to be taken off for an injury. But back to Klimt Dempsey's performance, uh, I mean, he had his moments where he, he looked pretty good at times. And he had other moments where he looked like he might have had a little bit of rust. But overall, though, I think uh, I think his debut was a, was a very positive one. No, I thought, I thought it was definitely a promising one for sure. I mean, he, he made... Made a lot of plays, and, and obviously he, you know, he didn't get on the score sheet. Uh, he almost did. He had one great shot uh, where he, 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 you know, created the space for himself, got off a nice left-footed shot that nearly found the low right corner. But credit to Joe Bendick for getting low and getting out and getting a paw on that uh, save it and keep Dempsey off the scoreboard. But you just saw the movement and what he brings to a team. Uh, Clint Dempsey, he's just he's just such a smart player, and he's such a good attacking player. He finds the spaces and the gaps in, the, in opposing defenses, and, and you can tell already he's someone who's going to draw attention away uh, from from uh, opposing defenses, and he's going to make things a lot easier for everyone around him. Well, I think the problem for Seattle going forward, Ivis, is you know you're, they have so many talented players. How do you find them on the field at the same time? When you look at the role that Clint Dempsey played in this game and going forward, where do you kind of see him fitting into Seattle's mentality? I think he'll he'll sit in behind. Uh, when they're healthy, Eddie Johnson and Obafemi Martins. And obviously Martin, since he's been in the league, uh, has struggled to stay healthy. I mean, he's been pretty product- productive when he's played, but, you know, he, he's someone who takes knocks and, 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 you know, isn't someone who seems that sturdy. I mean, to be fair, he did take a pretty uh, tough knock, uh, tough tackle uh, that, that kind of forced him out of the game. But if, if you don't have one of the uh, Johnson or Martins, then obviously I think you played Dempsey up top. You know, we've seen him and Johnson work together, and I think that's going to be a pretty good tandem uh, when they do work together. And, uh, you know, if Martins is hurt, in, injured for any length of time, I think you plug him in. And, you have, like you said, you know, TL has so many quality players that they're going to struggle to get these guys on the field. And uh, it's kind of one of those good problems. You know, if you're Siggy Schmidt, you, you know, you, you're going to have that opportunity to rotate players, keep people fresh, uh, keep bodies fresh, and, and that'll definitely help uh, come later in the year and playoff time. And also, Seattle's on a roll right now, Ivis. Four-game unbeaten, three-game three winning streak. I mean, they're knocking on the door of the Western Conference right now. They're, in, they're, in, they're, they're tied with the uh, Galaxy on points, but they're out of the playoffs. So, But for Seattle, though, Ivis, I mean, they're, they're turning it on right now, and uh, I mean, they look like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, I mean, a lot of people, including yourself, have them picked uh, to be the top team at the end of the year. Right. I mean, right now, when you look at them, they're, they're tied on points for fifth. But they have games in hand on everybody that's ahead of them. They they have two games in hand on L.A. 
They have one game in hand on Portland, uh, who they play later in the month. Uh, and they're only two games behind uh, the Rapids, who they have four games in hand on. So uh, if you're Seattle, you know, you, you're in prime position right now to leapfrog a, a bunch of teams. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, give them, I tell you what, by September 1st, you could definitely see Seattle uh, in the, sitting in second place in, in the West. Well, as we mentioned, Clint Dempsey, when he walked onto the pitch, he was the highest played player on Friday. Uh, MLS came out with their, um, the players' union, excuse me, came out with the, the players, the players' salary, so everyone gets to see how much players make um, for every single team. You know, it's always interesting when this comes out every single year. Um, you know, there's always discussion over, over who's getting overpaid, who's getting underpaid. But when you look at the list, Ivis, you know, who, who for you is the overpaid or underpaid players? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, this week at some point, uh, probably actually on Monday, I think we're going to put out on SBI, we're going to do a, a rundown of, of, the, of the salaries that stood out the most as far as overpaid and underpaid. Uh, you know, I, what I would say is some of the players who were on our all overpaid team earlier in the year have definitely stepped up their game, and and now they're, they're it's tougher to put them on those lists. And now that you know, you, you can say they don't belong on those lists. And two of those guys that come to mind are Bakari Sumari and Kenny Miller, uh, two guys who you know, Kenny Miller. Uh, he's he's really torn it up for for Vancouver. He's been a, a great compliment to to Camillo, and then uh, Bakari Sumari. Obviously, since he, he went over to the Chicago Fire and he's become a, a staple of their defense, has really been a big part of their turnaround there. So I think for me, those are two guys who, you know, deserve a little credit for for you know playing up to their salaries. Just as far as around the league, though, I mean, when you look at you know someone like Sergio McDonald with Chicago, who's on the outs now, they're looking to get rid of him. He, you know, he he's on a salary half a million dollars. Obviously, didn't get the job done. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of salaries like that, that you can point to. As far as overpaid guys, as far as underpaid guys, we all know uh, a lot of first year guys that you know they're just not going to make uh, you know a ton of money, and, and and it's you know it's what they prove in their first first year, second year in the league. Uh, you know that they belong and that they deserve you know a, a pay bump. I mean, perfect example, Chris Clute. Uh, who, who came in from the Atlanta Silverbacks? He's on uh, forty six thousand five hundred, and you could argue he's been, you know, the best left back in MLS. So, I mean, he's someone who you, you can't help but look at his his salary. Actually, there's quite a few guys on Colorado uh, that that have, have been a big part of that turnaround there. I mean, Clint Irwin, uh, he's making uh, the the minimum. He's making thirty five thousand, uh, you know, one hundred twenty five uh, this year. It's interesting with Irwin. He actually wrote an article recently just about the. The struggles of, of, of professional soccer in America, and even though the piece was a lot, a lot seemed to be a lot more about his time before MLS, when he kind of paid his dues and had to go through the you know the, the lower divisions, uh, it still just shows you that you know the the, the big money is not there across the board just yet. But you you, you want to hope that with the growth of the league, uh, and with the pending uh, collective bargaining agreement that's going to have to be negotiated uh, soon in MLS. That maybe you'll see those minimum salaries start to go up. Well, if it's one team, you know, sticking on the Seattle theme that we've had for the show so far, uh, I mean, obviously they're, sp- they're paying a lot of money to a lot of players. Um, now there's talk that Eddie Johnson, his contract situation, I mean, he's making 156000 a year. Um, but, I mean, he's saying something. Even Obi Femi Martins has said something. I mean, can Seattle get a deal done and, and, and be able to pay Eddie Johnson more money and keep everyone they have? Well, that's the question, right? I mean, it... it you can definitely argue that at, at, at 150000 a year, which is his base salary right now, 
that that's that's pretty inexpensive for someone who's your lead striker, right? For a lead striker on a good team, that, that that's underpaid. But as I mentioned, I think it was the last show. You know, people also have to look at at the circumstances of the contract that a player signs. And uh, you know, obviously, if you sign a contract and you play great, then you know you want to be able to make more money when your next contract comes around. But at the same time, you can't expect a team to just right away rip it up and just pay you more automatically without getting something in return. And and so I think what Seattle and Eddie Johnson had to figure out is what the next contract's going to be. You know, are they going to offer him a brand new four year deal? Uh, make him, you know, give, give him double his salary or, or, you know, he's not going to be a DP just based on the number of DPs they already have right now. So, you know, that being said, if you're Seattle, you have to ask, you have to ask yourself, what can we afford next year? And that's, and they have so much talent on that team. I mean, someone like Shari Joseph, as an example, it's well publicized that, you know, he, he is making less money this year and, 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 you know, he restructured his contract and that helped Seattle uh, squeeze in Clint Dempsey into their salary budget. That being said, Shabby Joseph next year is going to, is going to see that money or he's going to see a good chunk of money uh, in 2014. So if you're Seattle, Seattle's going to have to deal with that. They're going to have to deal with adding Dempsey for a full season. So, you know, I'd say what Chris Anderson and Sage Smith, they're going to have a lot of work to do. To, to squeeze all those guys in and they're going to probably have to, you know, cut some, cut some weight off that, yeah. off that roster and, and uh, figure out who they can do without and who has to go. And, and I think the Sounders, I mean, it's just the realities of, of playing in a league with a salary cap is, is, you know, you have to make sacrifices. And I think this off season, is going to be an interesting one to see what Seattle does and who goes. And you're right with about Seattle, Ivis. And then you have another team like L.A. They're another example of just the, a lot of young guys and some older guys on the team that make a lot of money. And you, like you said, I mean, with the league with the salary cap, it's, it's some, for some teams it's, it's it's going to be difficult. Right. I'll tell you what, with L.A., as we talked about in the last show, uh, their designated player situation is something that has to be sorted out. Do they Are they able to keep Landon Donovan? Are they able to keep Omar Gonzalez? Uh, do the old, do the younger players that they have now, you know, if they keep playing well, are they going to be in line for raises? So, you know, as, as we've seen through the years in MLS, the, the better the team you have, the tougher it becomes to keep keep everybody happy. And, and the best way to uh, counteract that and to combat that is to get your guys signed up to long term deals uh, as they as soon as they show well. You, you, you give them a bump, you give you put some years on their deal, and then you lock them in. And I think you've seen uh, Sporting KC, perfect example uh, of a team that's done a good job with that, of locking up a lot of their guys. And even with that, they still, you know, they lost Roger Espinosa last year. Uh, that was a tough loss for them, but they ju- they, it was pretty much out of their control. They couldn't keep everybody. But they did sign up, you know, they did resign Beasler, uh, Graham Zuzzi, uh, Chance Myers, Pretty much all their top guys, they, they were able to sign the deals. Portland, the Portland Timbers is another. They're, it's another example. They've they've gone out of the way this year to to kind of nip that in the bud, sign a lot of these top guys to to, to long deals, give them a little more money. But basically, the way it works is the more the sooner you get these guys signed up to longer deals, uh, the it's your way of kind of pre, it's a preemptive move so that. Uh, you know, if you don't sign into these deals and they keep playing better and better and better, all of a sudden at the end, they're asking for a lot more money. And I think that in Seattle, you have that kind of situation with Eddie Johnson where, you know, he signed this deal, uh, which he had to take because, you know, he left he left MLS at the altar, so to speak, by, by turning in, turning down a pretty big deal 
uh, a little bit earlier. So he, he kind of just had to take what MLS would give him. Now he's in a position where, hey, he wants, you know, he sees what Clint Dempsey's making. He knows what other guys on the team are making. And he feels that as the top striker, he should make more money. And he's letting it be known. You know, that's a, the funny thing is, you know, you, you hear about players being unhappy, right? But Eddie Johnson's a unique one because he is like visibly uh, showing his discontent, like on Twitter when he's, he's, he's kind of retweeting comments from other people about his salary, which I think is kind of a, uh, interesting uh, development when you think about social media and, 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 and the way it, it plays a role in, in following sports. But he hasn't come out and said, hey, I need to be paid more. But when he retweets 20 people who say, hey, Eddie Johnson should be paid more, it's pretty clear what the message is there. So I think that one that one's pretty funny. And, hey, he's earned it, right? He's shown he's, wor- he's worth more than he's making. But, again, it's going to be up to Seattle to, to, to decide what they can afford. And it's going to be up to Eddie Johnson to decide, do, do I play out my contract and, and try my, my, my chances overseas or, or, or in, you know, some other part, you know, whether it's Mexico or, or Europe, you know, or do I sign long term, stay in Seattle and, and stick with what's, you know, really helped resurrect his career? Well, as I just said, uh, keep checking the website. He'll have uh, a better breakdown of, of all these numbers in more detail. Uh, so keep checking the website, soccerbyivis.net, to uh, to look at the player's salaries, as Ivis will write an article about it later this week. Ivis, we need to take a pause and talk about the Americans abroad. We can put MLS on hold. We'll talk a little bit about it later in the show. We'll recap the games from the weekend. But uh, a very big weekend for the Americans abroad. All the leagues in Europe are starting to kick off. And we have a couple guys who've scored some goals. Um, Aaron Johansson scored a goal. Sasha Kleschen scored a goal. Anthony Brooks, a guy that, that's been in the news the last couple weeks, uh, scored a goal in his Bundesliga debut. And, I mean, Ivis, this is just awesome. I mean, I, I know it's just one weekend and it's just a start, but just, just to see the results so early just, just makes it so exciting. Well, it was definitely a good start. Uh, to the European season. I mean, obviously there were some some leagues that started a week earlier, but this was the first week where you saw, you know, obviously from France and, and Germany kick off uh, with the Bundesliga and Ligue 1 start. And and John Anthony Brooks, he's the one. He, he's one player who, obviously, he has. We have yet to get official confirmation on whether he is has decided on playing for the U.S. But at this point, just the idea that he's probably getting called up. He's probably going to be part of the team that plays in the Bosnia friend in the Bosnia friendly for the U.S. Uh, so already, U.S. fans have a reason to follow him, and for him to score a goal in his first game, his first Bundesliga game, and, and have his team hurt the Berlin get a big win in their opener, uh, that, that's that's great. That's a great uh, development to see for sure. And then you have the other player who's kind of who who actually the player the one player who is ready to play for the U.S. and, and has made his decision. Aaron Johansson, he he scored again. He scored, I believe, on a PK uh, for AZ. So he's off to a great start. And then you have Sasha Question, who is kind of he's he. I would say he's like the European Kyle Beckerman in the sense that U.S. fans just don't give him much love, and it's crazy just to see how how uh, you know how little affinity there. There just seems to be this vocal minority of people who are just not fans of him, at least as far as a, a national team player. But hey, he plays at a high level. Uh, he's been doing great for Anderlecht, and and he's already again. He's off to a great start to another season, and I'm sure he'll. If I had to guess, I, th- I would expect him. I would think that he would be uh, called in for this friendly. Well, when you talk about players 
being called into this friendly, like you said, Sasha will be one of those. I mean, let's talk about these other two guys right here, Aaron Johansson and John Anthony Brooks. I mean, I think John Anthony Brooks, I hope everyone's hoping that he gets called in. Everyone's hoping that Aaron Johansson gets called in. This is for the friendly that's going to be on Wednesday that the U.S. men's national team is going to be playing uh, against Bosnia. I mean, do you see all three of these guys getting calls in? And and just kind of who are some other guys that you think might possibly get a call in that are playing in Europe? Well, I'll tell you what, it's a little unclear right now what the situation is with Brooks or Johansson, but, uh, you know, will they play in the game? I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but I do, I could definitely see both of them coming into camp, getting a feel for what it is to be a part of a U.S. team. Uh, And I I think that could be a selling point for them. I think Jurgen Klinsmann, I'm pretty sure he's confident and how inclusive the team can be and how and how comfortable uh, it can be in that locker room, even for new players, newcomers. Uh, you know, we've already seen that through the years. Uh, players come in and be kind of that stranger uh, in the group, but then quickly become, you know, an integral part of the group. Jermaine Jones, perfect example. Uh, someone who, you know, he, he was kind of that strange. He was that new player who, who, who had made the switch to the U.S., and I can still remember him. Uh, joining the team in the Netherlands for friendly uh, uh, back in, I believe it was March of 2010 uh, in Amsterdam. I was actually, I was there for that game. And, and I remember him kind of hanging out, you know, and him just hanging out with the guys, getting a feel for the team. Uh, and, and he felt comfortable pretty quickly. And uh, so, something that Peter Vermees uh, said to me once that, 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 that always kind of stuck with me is that when it comes to American teams, and it's not just club teams, it, cl- you, t- you can use it with club teams, but, but it applies obviously with the national team. When it comes to American teams, when you talk about a team made up mostly American players, uh, they're more inclined to be inclusive off the bat. To, to, to welcome the new the newcomers, welcome the new faces, and then if, and if you don't earn their respect, then eventually you'll be cast out. Uh, in other countries, or in maybe a, a lot of the rest of the world, it's the opposite. It, where it, it's you're the outsider, you have to earn the trust, you have to earn your place within the group, and and I think that kind of works in, in in the national team's favor uh, when you have these situations where where players are still not sure which way they want to go. Then they get into a camp and they realize, hey, this is you know this is a comfortable situation. These guys make me feel right at home. I can see myself playing with this national team, and I think if I were a betting man, I would bet on that being the case with both those guys, uh, Aaron Johansson and and John Anthony Brooks, if they're both going to be in. Well, for people who are listening to the show, Ivis and I are recording the show on Sunday night, so if you might be listening to the show after the roster came out, um, and you're like, oh, well, these guys don't know anything. That is why. But quickly, for people who will listen to the show early in the morning, those East Coasters who get up early, um, who are some names that you think that are playing in Europe or maybe playing in the MLS that, that you think will get called up to this game? Well, there have been a lot of names thrown around uh, reportedly coming in. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I was surprised to, to see the Sports Illustrated report uh, at the end of last week that Clint Dempsey wasn't going to be a part of the team. I was surprised, but at the same time, you can understand it. He just made the move over to Seattle. You want to give him a chance to get settled in. You don't want you don't want him traveling around when he's done as much flying as he's already done, going from Hong Kong to England to Seattle to to Toronto for their game now against uh, Toronto FC. So you can understand Klinsman wanting to kind of give him a break. Um, but you know, aside from that, though, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty strong team. And uh, you know, as far as MLS goes, there were reports of Eddie Johnson and Brad Evans being called in. So I, I think we're going to see pretty close to a full strength squad. Um, I, you know, it seems like MLS-wise, uh, Klinsman is going to tap into that MLS uh, group, the the group of MLS guys, and I don't think he'll bring everybody in. But I think he, it, it, just going off of what 
what he's done in the past and, and, and kind of what you want to see out of this particular friendly, I can see him bringing in what he considers his starting 11, his, his first choice starting 11 in the pool. And then from there, maybe leave the other MLS players home. Uh, so if that's the case, then you could definitely see Landon Donovan, Graham Zussi, um, you know, if Brad Evans is getting called in, then maybe he's going to get the nod at right back uh, over Michael Parkhurst. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Uh, as far as other guys getting called in, obviously Tim Howard's going to get called in. Um, trying to go all over the field here. Fabian Johnson's apparently injured and uh, probably isn't going to be a part of the group. So if he's not there, I think that all of a sudden opens the door for for the Donovan Zuzi. Uh, wing uh, winger tandem that we could see against Bosnia. So you know, the great thing about it is so many options. So what many about options. what about guys like a Bedoya or a Discrude? Uh Well, I'd say Bedoya. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't expect that just because he just made the move to not. Uh, so he's he's just making that transition over to the French league, so that you know, he he needs that time to kind of settle in and and, and sort out his affairs. Uh, I think Joe Corona is someone who could get called in. I think this crew makes this crew. Yes, I think he could get called in. I think obviously Bradley and Jones. You would expect them to get mm-hmm. called in since they, you know, they're they're about to start their seasons. Uh, you know, they, I think they'll be ready to go. So, so it, basically, the, if I were to guess, if I were a betting man, I'd bet on Klinsman writing down his first choice eleven, and obviously Dempsey. You know, he's chosen not to let to, to bring Dempsey. So you pull Dempsey out, you plug, you know, plug who you, and, and you know, also leave out Fabian Johnson. So, uh, you know, I think he goes, you know, Zussi, Donovan, Beasley. Uh, apparently, Brad Evans is getting called in. If he's getting called in, I would imagine he's going to start. Um, so you kind of get get a feel for what it is, which it's, you know, you, oh, another another name, Josie Altidore, apparently uh, is not getting called in or may not get called in. And again, that's another situation of a player who's on a new team, you kind of give him a chance to kind of adjust to his new environment, uh, let him get settled uh, in. So that, that, means... that one was a little surprising to me, I got to say. Um, but, again, you can kind of understand that that kind of template of, of wanting to let the guys who are with their new teams have that extra time to assimilate. Well, maybe that, maybe that means we'll see Terrence Boyd for an extended look. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, I think uh, he, he's someone who, you know, he wasn't on the Gold Cup team. He didn't get a chance to play there. But hey, Eddie Johnson is. Uh, if, if Eddie J- Johnson's getting called in, then we could see the same uh, the Gold Cup forward tandem from uh, you know. If there's no Josie Altidore no Clint Dempsey, then you you bring in the Gold Cup final tandem of Eddie Johnson and Landon Donovan up top, and then that makes room for Joe Corona on the right and uh, Zussi on the left, or vice versa. So it's just great, just seeing the options. Think about it. I mean, it's great. Uh, the fact that you can you know. Have Clint Dempsey and Josie Altador not be a part of the team, uh, but then there's still enough pieces that it should be a really good group. I mean, it just shows you how much depth there is. And Bosnia is a good team. I mean, they're they're also leading the their World Cup qualifying group by a huge margin over Greece. Uh, I mean, they're ranked uh, 13th in the world. So, I mean, it's going to be a good test. Also, for anyone that wants to see this on Soccer by Ivis.net, Ivis did a projection for the game. So, he did a basic projection, excuse me. And then if you scroll down, he did a projection without MLS or Liga MX players. So, uh, if anyone wants to read that, check it out. It's uh, it's pretty cool the way he he, uh, divided it up. Well, to be fair, that uh, that was done... Early last week, uh, so it, it, by the time you by the time you listen to this show, uh, the yeah, roster's yeah, yeah. probably going to be out. So you, you don't even need to go back and look at that. Uh, the crazy part is, you, you know, you would, you know, we, we get it, right, with the rosters and why don't they don't put them out early? But it's like the funny thing about this situation is the team is in 
They're in Bosnia. The team is already there. Yet the national team, yet U.S. Soccer still doesn't put the roster out. And and obviously, it's just I don't know. I, they you know they could put it out Sunday, but obviously for whatever reason they decide not to. But it's going to be funny that the team's going to be training on Monday and the roster probably won't will still not be out. Well, Avis, let's bring it back to MLS. There was a full slate of games this weekend. Sunday night game, FC Dallas, LA Galaxy. Definitely stole the headlines. It was one of the most exciting games of the weekend. Also, a little bit of controversy in this game. Landon Donovan with the hat trick. I mean, look, FC Dallas defense was kind of ball-watching a couple times. Blas Perez had two outstanding goals in this game. However, people are you know arguing that it was offside. Bruce Arena, not happy after the game, did say that the officiating was poor. Um, look, but I mean, look for FC Dallas Ives, things have not gone their way and something finally went their way and they picked up a point over, over the galaxy. Right. I mean, you know, some of those, some of the goals you could definitely, uh, you know, raise an eyebrow over. I mean, I think, you know, as you pointed out uh, earlier before we, we taped the show that Blas Perez's first goal looked offside. He mm-hmm. was offside. No doubt about it. The, the line, the linesman blew the call. The assistant referee, he, he he whether it was out of position or just, you know, he just missed it. And on the on on the equalizer, uh, on Perez's equalizer, it looked like there were Dallas players that started out in an offside position. But that one's a little trickier because because when the ball came in, Omar Gonzalez actually headed it away, and it wasn't the players who were offside. So I mean, that that one's a little trickier of a call. But if you're LA, you can definitely you know feel a little hard done by that you know. You, you didn't have that that Perez goal, the first one uh, wasn't offside, and, and you figure if they, if if not that you know they probably won the game pretty comfortably if not for that call. You know, but Dallas is they need to get some victories here soon, Ivis. I mean, with the way their defense is playing, it it just doesn't look like that. I mean, is there any chance that maybe they can try to? I mean, look, they, they've had some other draws recently, but it, I mean, is this something that maybe they can try to build some momentum off of, or, or is this just they they got lucky and and things aren't improving at all? It's a tough one, man. I mean, I, I, it's it's hard to understand what is going on there. Um, there's just not – I mean, we're talking 10 games in a row now. 10 games without a win in league play. That's – I mean, that's just pretty – that's awful. And it, it, it's crazy uh, to think how – you know, you, you when you hear 10 in a row without a win and, and out of that stretch, they, they've gotten some points. They've gotten uh, six draws during that stretch, right? So they've gotten a few points. It just shows you how good of a start to their season they had – that here they are, ten games uh, without a win, and they're still only a point out of the playoff spot. So that, I mean, so you can't you can't write Dallas off just yet. You can't, you know, they're still in the mix. But um, like you said, they they have to figure this thing out defensively. In the past, you know, through this year, they've had injuries. Obviously, George John uh, has been in and out. Uh, he's he's had some knocks, but you know, when they're healthy now, so so you have to ask yourself what is going on. You know, obviously, LA is a good team. Uh, they do make it tough on opponents, but you know if you give up three goals at home, I mean that's it, it's pretty indefensible. Um, uh, it's hard to <laughs> no pun intended there, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, with them, you know, they they look good early in the year, but you know what? Right now, they're looking like the team that I thought they would be before the season. Before the year, I thought you know what? I didn't think they improved enough. Uh, obviously, getting Kenny Cooper, I, you know, I, I said it before the season. You know, anyone that was expecting him to to put the stats up that he put last year with the Red Bulls uh, was going to be disappointed because he just that that just wasn't going to happen. Uh, and and no, again, it's not just on Kenny Cooper. I think he's actually done pretty well for them. But 
as a group, just as a collective, they're just they're just not getting it done. And uh, you know, at, at a certain and as I've said now for a few shows, at a certain point, you have to point the the, the coach has to catch some of the blame, and Shellis Hyman does have to you know start. You have to start wondering like when does he face some heat? When does he start uh, to get a little pressure on him? And it's going to be up to him and, and up to them to start turning these results around because the other teams in the West, uh, the West is way too deep for you for a team a team to go through this kind of slump and expect mm-hmm. to make the playoffs and you know they, they they've got a few games coming up now that it, it, they need a win they're, now they have to go to portland uh and and try to get a win there that's you know that's not easy i mean uh, i don't i honestly i don't see them doing it uh but then they go to chivas chivas usa you can definitely get a win there uh and then they have san jose at home and that san jose game at home i mean because for me i'm gonna pencil them in for a loss to portland that's just I just think Portland's a better team, playing better. I think you give them the win. But that set, that game on August 24th, when you and I will both be out of the country, uh, that could be a huge game for them because you think about it. San Jose still you know, on the fringes trying to get into the playoff conversation. If Dallas loses that game, that and at home, mind you, then they're, they're, in, they're in serious trouble. They need to win two of their next three games to really put – to really – Put some life back into their playoff chase. Well, another team like FC Dallas, who's you know who's once hot start to the season is starting to cool off the Montreal Impact. I mean, they lost to the Chicago Fire, a team where a lot of things are going the Chicago Fire's way. I mean, in, especially for a guy like Joe Lynn I mean, look, the guy over the last month has been on fire: four assists, two goals. I mean, he gets a, he gets another goal in this game off a nice deflection. Dilly Duga dribbles into the box. Montreal's defense, kind of like FC Dallas, ball watching a lot. Montreal. Not as bad as FC Dallas, Ivis, but still, I mean, it's starting to, it's starting to get. If I was a Montreal fan, I'd be really nervous right now. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they do have reason to worry because you know what? Defensively, they just they they've just been a shell of what they were earlier in the year, and, and you keep seeing it. I mean, someone like Alessandro Nesta and also Matteo Ferrari, it, as those guys go, so go the impact. And if they don't st- if they if they make mistakes, if they get beaten. Uh, too easily, I mean, they're done. They're going to be toast. So uh, when you look at it now, like just like Dallas, right? They they built up that that nice lead, that nice early start to the season, uh, that that those points that are they're really helping them right now. But hey, they're only four points ahead of the Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. Four, four points. I mean, it's crazy to think about how much ground the Fire have, have been able to to make up uh, since bringing in Mike McGee and Bakari Samari, but. Uh, you know, Montreal, obviously they felt like they had to make some changes. They went and, and, and signed a designated player to shore up their midfield, which was uh, a, a big complaint about them, which, you know, because obviously the defense has been giving up a lot of goals, but it's been the midfield not necessarily uh, giving enough support to the back four that that was kind of pegged as one of the reasons. So you figure if their new, their new designated player, Bernardel, can shore up the midfield, then maybe they have a chance to – solidify things but i don't know man i don't know what to say I, I i will say this though the fire look at their look at their uh over their over the course of the last 11 games they have two four six seven wins seven uh seven three and two in their last 12 games that is pretty impressive wife well, uh in the western conference we all salt lake uh has extended their their favorable lead now they have five points over the vancouver whitecaps who are in second place uh but we also like defeated the houston dynamo uh one to zero in that game right i mean it wasn't the prettiest game and, and, it, and it was kind of, it was kind of the game you'd expect from from our 
uh, coming off of the midweek game and, and, and coming off of that high of, of getting to the Open Cup final. You could kind of, you could kind of expect them to get have a little bit of a letdown. Uh, but again, Houston, the Houston Dynamo, uh, without uh, can be said enough times, Oscar Bonilla Garcia is such a key to what they do and such a key to providing the energy that they need, especially in midfield, uh, that spark that they need, the, the creative spark. Look, Brad Davis is a solid player. He's, he's you know, one of the best in, in the league, but he, he, you need, you still need both Garcia's energy in the midfield uh, and without it, they just suffer. And hey, listen, Houston on the road, they, it's not like Houston's been good on the road even with Bonnie Garcia. They, they, they struggle away from Houston, but it was clear they were missing Bonnie Garcia. That's to take nothing away from 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 Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake defensively were outstanding in that game. I mean, they they just they were very organized. They 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 just did not give Houston much to work with. Uh, but this these are the kind of games that you know what good teams win. Good teams win can find a way to win even when they they're not on their game. And that 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 is exactly how how you have to kind of look at this game. Real Salt Lake was not at their best in this game, and they still were able to come away with a one zero win. Um, well, Ivis, the New York Red Bulls. Look, it's it's interesting because all of a sudden, you know, they they the couple good performances. I mean, they they kind of got a little lucky against some of the teams they're playing, but a couple good performances, and and you kind of thought that the New York Red Bulls were were breaking through, and now they lose to the Columbus Crew two to zero. I mean, Red Bulls without their two DPS, but still, I mean, losing to the Columbus Crew, who have not had a good season. Frederick Higuain, I mean, his second goal over Robles was pretty nice, but. For New York, Ivis, I mean, what what can they do moving forward to to move on from this? You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's anything to get too broken up about. I mean, at the end of the day, when they don't have Kikail and Henri, they are a mediocre team. There's no other way to say it. Without those two, I mean, they're the big money guys. You have them on your team. You spent the DP money for a reason to have these guys uh, be the be be the figureheads for your team. <clears throat> and when you don't have either of them. When you don't have Henri's presence up top, you the, the Red Bulls are just a completely different team because when it comes down to it, they don't have another forward who can really lead the line for them. They just don't have it. Now, it's Spindola, not Loyendola. None, none of them are – they're all at best uh, marginal secondary strikers, uh, at least they have been. None of them are good enough to, to be the lead, the, lead, the lead dog in the attack, right? So once, so once Henri was scratched the game – uh, you know, if, if people were betting on MLS, they'd be rushing to the to, to the cage, to the betting cage to put money down on the crew because the Red Bulls just are not good enough to win on the road without Henri. And then you, you add Cahill to that also. I mean, Cahill's energy, you just miss it so much. But look, credit to the crew. You got to give the crew a little credit. Uh, they still had to go out and get it done and, and you know, help halt their own awful slide that has kind of taken them out of the playoff conversation. Uh, you know, this is this the game that's going to help turn it around for them now and put them back in the conversation? I think that's a little bit of a stretch. You know, I think they're, it, it, you know, look, when you look at where they stand right now, they're seven points out uh, of, of the playoff spot, and that's with Houston having a game on them, uh, game in hand on them. So it's still still a ways to go. I, I don't think this is going to be the turnaround for the crew. Uh, it was good to see Higuain, uh do his thing and show the qualities that, that make him one of the, you know, one of the more skilled players in MLS. But I, I think their season's still pretty much toast. Well, the Philadelphia Union, uh, you know, continue to strengthen their playoff case in the Eastern Conference. They defeat DC United two to zero. DC a little tired going into this game. 
Um, I mean, obviously, everyone knows they defeated the Chicago Fire during the midweek to advance to the U.S. Open Cup final against Real Salt Lake, which will be on October 1st. Uh, but for Philadelphia, man, look, Connor Casey, Ivis, he's having a pretty good season this year. I mean, he's, he's almost at double-digit goals. If he gets double-digit goals, he's one goal away. be the first time since 2010. But, um, I mean, if you're a Union fan, you, you have to be really happy because with Connor Casey going into the season, I, I think a lot of people were concerned about the injury and, and how good can he really be. And he's having a pretty good season for them. No, he's been absolutely outstanding for them. Uh, really, really looking like the, the the Connor Casey of old, and I think just playing in that in that system where they really look to feed him the ball. Um, you know, he's just been great. He's the perfect fit for them, and for the other players that they have around him with Jack McInerney and his ball movement. I mean, his movement off the ball and his ability to draw defenders away. And then you have Sebastian Latou, who's really settled into to, to his role as a winger. Uh, you know. It, it's just a perfect fit for him. And you got to give some credit to this union team. I mean, uh, you know, it's a young team. They were supposed, this was kind of supposed to be a rebuilding year. They have about a third of their salary kept tied up in dead money in, in contracts that they bought out or players who are no longer with the team. And here they are a point out of second place in the East. They go to Red Bull arena on, on Saturday with a chance, a real, a very, very real chance uh, of uh, moving even in the first place, uh, depending on how how, how stats um, how results break out, but I think the real telling uh, stat about Philly when you look at their results this year, they have not they have not lost two games in a row all year, and, and I think that's I think it says quite a bit about them as a team that they've been able to respond the way they have uh, after losses, uh, and you know this year they have what, what two four six. They have seven losses, and and, they, and none of them have been back-to-back, and they've actually won more games than they've tied coming off of losses. And that's just I think that says a lot about the character of that team. Uh, and, and quickly, just, I, I will say Fabinho for them, the Brazilian, looks like a player. Uh, he, his cert, you know, he might not be as good defensively uh, as Ray Gattis, not as quick, but his service coming off the wing has been pretty outstanding early on uh, since he's arrived. He, he's he's shown that he can serve a good ball from the left wing, and that just makes them that much more dangerous. Well, Ivis, in a big game in the Western Conference, the Vancouver Whitecaps defeated San Jose Earthquakes 2-0. to uh, San Jose, you know, they had a lot, of, a lot of good things going into this game. Three-game unbeaten streak, but the Vancouver Whitecaps in front of a, a jam-packed crowd. I feel like, you know, Seattle and Portland... You know, they obviously get a lot of respect for their fans, but Vancouver games are very well attended. It looks like a really good time up there, but um, if you're a Vancouver fan, you have to be very encouraged over the last two games. Uh, I mean, two-game unbeaten streak, and, and you have to hope that uh, they, they've uh, figured figured things out and can make a serious, you know, continue to be in this very tight Western Conference. Well, I think it's a game they needed to have, you know. I think as much as the West, as much as it's, it's a pretty tightly packed group there, you know, I think them being at home, and going up against the San Jose team that was starting to gather momentum, they needed that game. They, and and you know they played well. Uh, you know you have to give them a lot of credit, especially with their defense kind of being in a little, little bit of a makeshift mode. Uh, you know for for them to not just win, but to post the shutout uh, is very you know that's a very impressive result for them. And you know they're in second place. They're still right there. And I know I've said it a few times now I, that I don't see them uh, staying in that zone and being one of the top teams in the West, not stand by that, but Hey, they're getting it done. They're proving a lot of people wrong, including myself who still doesn't see it ending up that way. I'll put it like that. I give them all the credit for, for playing well to this point 
uh, and being, you know, being where they are, you know, they, they, they've earned it. They've earned, they put the points together that they, they've needed. They've gotten the results that they've needed. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, look at their defense that they put together out there. You know, when, when we talk about uh, Johnny Leverone, Carlisle Mitchell, uh, that, that's, uh, you know, it's a pretty far cry from Jay Demerit and Brad Rusin. So, you know, is that going to be able to hold up throughout through the rest of the year? I, I'm still torn on it. I'm still they haven't so they haven't won me over just yet. But hey, that result is a big one for them because it's too, it's it's not just a win, it's not just a home win. It's a home win and a shutout. Well, I don't think many people also had uh, Camillo as the league leader. Well, he's tied with Mike Bagheer for 14 goals on the season. I mean, I don't think many people had him picked to to possibly lead the league in goals this season. No, he's been absolutely crucial, uh, a huge part of of what they've been able to do, and he's really carried them at times. And look, Kenny Miller, you got to give Kenny Miller credit; he's done his part as well. Uh, and 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 they've they have formed such a good partnership. Um, but it, you know, they've got some games to go. They've got some uh, the next uh, this month. I'd say this month. Starting with that game, important game. I think this month's really big for them because they, they've got some tough matchups that they, uh, you know, they have to win. I mean, yeah, Kenny Miller also with seven goals on the season. I mean, you're getting very productive play out of your forwards, and and look, these are your big money guys. That's what you want, right? Without a doubt. But hey, the the two games they have left this year. I mean, this year, sorry, this month. <laughs> they have Colorado. They got to go to Colorado. Not going to be easy, um, especially Colorado coming off of this tough. Home uh, road draw against Chivas USA, and they're, they're not going to be happy. But they've been playing really well, especially at home. That's going to be a tough one for them. And then Vancouver comes home and, have, and has to play host to the Galaxy in a, in a game that uh, you know a lot of implications there. So you know, it, it, if Vancouver could very easily uh, lose both those games, but if they can get some points from there, that'll set them up nicely going into September. Well, Ivis, we've reached the end of this uh, of this show. It's going to be the last Q&A for a while, so hopefully everyone sent in some good questions. Um, if you send some Q&As in while we're on vacation, I guess that's fine, but we won't answer them until we get back. First question <laughs> comes from Steve Hildago. Uh, will Zardis ever become a legit goal scorer? He gets into great spaces and finds opponents, but never finishes. Opportunities, excuse oh. me. Finds <laughs> opportunities, but never finishes. I guess he does find opponents, but finds opportunities and never finishes. Well, uh, I'd say this. Okay, obviously <laughs> he had a chance to, uh, Sunday night that you could definitely say he should have put away. But listen, folks, the kid has played 16 professional games. He's 21 years old. Take it easy. He's a good player. He's got tons of potential. He will come around. He's got three goals already. Um, you know, look, three goals in 16 games, is that a great clip? So I wouldn't say it's a great clip, but look, he's coming along. He'll be fine. I tell you what, it won't, He for me, he'll be by, I'd say, next year. I'll tell you, I'll put I'll put it down, write it down right now. In twenty fourteen, Zardis will have 10, 10 to twelve goals. Next question comes from Troy Lafour. Uh what do you think of all the Zuzi haters? There seems to be a large amount of people who think he has no talent or potential. Okay. okay. I think that's a little exaggeration. I don't know if a large amount of people think that. I do think there are uh some folks who just don't rate him as a national team player or a national team prospect. Uh, that I, I I do think is the case. Well, I think it's the case that those people exist. I wouldn't say I agree with them. I think he's shown well. I think he's shown some good qualities at times. And you know what? I th- I think one of the big problems with Zussi is, is is that in June, uh, when when and, and even before that, when the team's been going through qualifying this year, a lot of people have been watching him and trying to compare him to Len Donovan, and that's a big problem. You can't compare him to. 
the greatest, you know, arguably the greatest player in national team history, uh, and the ghost of that player and the, and that player's prime. You can't do that. You know, Zeus is his own player. Uh, Klinsman chose not to bring in Donovan. Donovan had his own thing going on, so he had to have a little time away. You can judge Zuzi on his own merits, and I think he's done well. I think he has good qualities, and, and I think he's actually improving as a player. And look, I know he's not 21, 22 years old, and it's not it's not like, you know, can you argue that this is his peak? Is he peaking? Can he get better? I think he is getting better. I think he's getting smarter. I think he's he's really adapting. He, he's clearly improving in MLS play for my money. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think are there people that are – I think they're – I agree – there are a lot of people who've been unfair in their criticism of him. I think he's better. He's clearly better than some people give him credit for being. Next question comes from Steve Hildago. Second question for him tonight. Usually, Ivis and I censor questions, and somehow we did not notice that this guy. We have two questions from Steve. So, congratulations, Steve. Uh, does LA need? Who does LA need more as a DP if they can only have one of them, Lennon Donovan or Omar Gonzalez? It's a tough one, man. That's a real tough one. Because, look, obviously, look, Dan and Landon Donovan is one of the best players. Well, they're, they're both among the best players in the league. And clearly, at their at their positions, without question, they're among the best players in the, in the league. So which one is it? And that it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think, for me, uh, it, it can be a lot tougher to find a, a, a quality uh, leader, center, a, a center back that you can just count on to be your rock in the back. I think those are tougher to come by. Um, but that being said, Donovan, as we saw on Sunday, can just take over a game and score a hat trick. So when you, when you think about tonight and you think about the fact that the Galaxy gave up three goals, it's probably easier to say, hey, they need Donovan more than they need Omar, Omar Gonzalez. But um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think, you know what? I'll put it to you like this. I When you talk about what the team can do to replace either one of them, I think it would be much easier to replace Donovan than it would be to replace Omar Gonzalez because I think you can take a DP slot, go find yourself, uh, it, you know, obviously easier said than done, but I think you can go get yourself a, 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 a big-ticket attacking player, a star attacking player uh, from somewhere in the world to, to come in and replace Landon Donovan. Doing that for a center back, not so much. It's not as easy. You know, you know obviously, you know, as we've talked about many times before, uh, the history of, of MLS with, with center backs has been that there's never been a designated player center back, a true center back. Rafa Marquez is kind of the exception, but again, as I said before, you know, he came in the league a bit more as a midfielder and then he slid over to center back. So that one's a little, you know, he wasn't a pure center back. So that I, I don't even count him. But and, and he was also awful. So that's another reason. Yeah, and, he, to, to... and he was pure evil. Yes, and he's yeah, he's one of the, arguably the most hated player in MLS history. But um, so yeah, you know what? I would say that I, I'd say from that standpoint, maybe that's why I think Omar Gonzalez is the guy you, you 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 if you had to choose, you keep him because I think he suffered a replace. Next question comes from Kevin Prince. Personally, who are you most excited to see play against Bosnia, Johansson Brooks, or somebody else? I don't know, but I'm saying I'm excited. I am intrigued and interested to see John Anthony Brooks on the international level. You know, I think he has, you know, clearly he's shown well in Germany last year in Bundesliga too. He did, he, you know, he was outstanding for them, but again, the level of that league, you know, the, I don't know if that's the best. I don't know if, if, you know, we should get too crazy excited about what, where he is right now, how much more he has to grow. Uh, obviously he's off to a great start, scores a goal in his first game. But again, 
once we see Hertha against some of the tougher teams in the Bundesliga, I think then we'll really get a sense of just where he is. And that's why I think it'd be great if, if we could see him get some minutes against Bosnia because, look, Bosnia's going to be a tough team. Uh, they've got some great attackers that could definitely test him, uh, give us a good idea where he is. But I think the jury is still out. And I think, you know, I think anyone who can already sit there and say, okay, he's ready to come in, he's ready to be a national team player, starter, uh, center back, I think that's way presumptuous. And I think I just don't think the body of work is there for anyone to be completely assured of that success. Next question comes from Nihal. Where do you see Donovan going after his contract is up? A lot of Donovan in LA talk, folks. But hey, guess what? That's what happens when we ask for questions at 1 in the morning Eastern time. But I'm very uh, okay with West Coast questions. Just want to throw that out there. Well, what's that? I'm very okay with questions coming from the West Coast. It's, I know, I'm yeah, very I know. okay with it. West Coast buys. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, Landon Donovan, where do I see him going? I, th- I tell you what. Uh, I feel like he's got some renewed uh, love for the game, and and I can see him uh, making another run in Europe. Maybe making one, you know, interesting now that Dempsey's come to MLS. I think it'd be great now for him to go to Europe and and you know land with the team over there. He's free to do what he wants, free to go where he wants to go next uh, you know, come January. And, and I think you know that's it's it's a little. It would be a bit of a gamble to to do that in a world cup year. But again, I, I think he's playing well. I think he's, he's, he's loving the game again. And I, and I, I have no doubts that there are teams in Europe that would love the chance to have him. And, uh, you know, Fulham, Everton, a return to Everton, even though Manchester you know, United, that's not happening. I'm sorry. That's, that's, uh, you know what? <laughs> it's going to end, end up being like the Dempsey one, right? All of a sudden, uh, Landon Donovan should, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, you know what? I know I was wrong about Dempsey, and I know I said I'll never say never, but I highly doubt, and I mean highly doubt, Landon Donovan ends up in a Manchester United uniform. I know I know Moyes thought he was great. I thought he did well for Everton when Moyes was there, but no. Don't see it happening. Could I you, think could you, a Fulham. Could you imagine that, though? Oh, my gosh. The thought of it, though, is it's kind of cool. It'd be great, but no, I don't see it happening. I think every, I think a return to Everton or Fulham, or maybe he'll try another adventure. I mean, obviously he, you know, it, it, it isn't just England where there was interest in him the last time around. Well, when when uh, when his contract was up, so you know, who knows? They, I, mean, I remember there being interest in from Italy uh, and even Spain. And I, I was thinking about this today as, uh, you know, I was watching the, I was watching a preview on the the the, the La Liga season. And the fact that there's no, you know, we there is no American player in La Liga, and I think that's a little unfortunate. You know, I think it'd be great if someone went there, uh, like a high quality player. You know, obviously jo- Josie uh, was there briefly, but he, you know, he wasn't really a part of, of Villarreal's plans. Uh, I think it'd be great, Landon Donovan, go to Spain, kind of you know break new ground there. I think that'd be a great, great idea. I think, and I also think England uh, in the Premier League because I think he, he can still. He can still play at that level, in, for my, in my opinion. Yeah, but if you go to Just, Spain, you got to have dinner like at eleven o'clock at night. Maybe no one wants to do that. I'm pretty sure he'll be okay with that. <laughs> pretty sure he'd, he'd enjoy uh, enjoy the the you know live, living the life in Spain. I, I've heard nothing but great things about it. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting to see what was going to come out of your mouth right there. No, nah, no, nah, I was not. Nah, <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I, you know what? I, I tell you, I, I will say this. Uh, six months ago, if you had asked me like where I see Dan Donovan in 2014, I would have said absolutely MLS if he's, if he's even playing. 
But now, after yeah, this but... Gold Cup that he had, and now the way he's looking in MLS again, and the way he kind of looks like he has that swagger back, and he has that kind of... Yeah, I used the word. You're, <laughs> your favorite word. I used it. No, listen. He just seems like he has it again. He has it back. He has that joy for the game. And I can see him, because of that, chasing Europe again and giving it one more go-round. Well, that would be outstanding. Ivis, the final question comes from Gary Offhaus. Um for both of us how did you two get connected to do this podcast uh well i know i know how i i can i i know how (laughs) all right why don't you give your version of how it happened and then i'll give the i'll give the real the actual truth okay this this is what happened about like may of 2012 i was a co-host of this amazing podcast called the az kicks it podcast and uh, a local journalist out here in Phoenix got me connected with Ivis. I remember I was, I was like, we we had Ivis on, and, and like I was like, oh man, this is this is gonna propel our show. We're, we're gonna like we're gonna make it mainstream. This is it. And like Ivis came on and he tweeted out the show, and we got like fifty plays. So Ivis, I think, got us thirty more plays than we usually get. And then um, John Arnold and I did this other show called MLS and Thirty on NASN, which I still do. Um, and then we had Ivis come on a couple times and, and then last, you know, last winter, Ivis and I just kind of started doing G-Chat more and I was like, Hey, I want to write for your website. Then, then he started asking questions about podcasting and I was like, yeah, I'll produce the show. And Ivis was like, well, why don't you host the show? And, and that's the story. I, that is almost 99% accurate. Um, wait, so did you miss the part about where you, you started trying to write for us? Did you get that in there? No, I said that. I, I said I said I, I you know it's just you know I started writing for you, but then it's, the talk was more podcast related, and then and then yeah, that, that was it. That's that's what happened. Well, here's how I remember it. Uh, <laughs> Garrett started out writing. Uh, you know, he reached out. We talked about having him write, and he did write for us. Writing was a little little rough. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, uh, but anyway, one day we. Just well, no, you you got mad at me because I wrote this article on the new women's league, and I was just like, everything was like, yeah, it's gonna survive, and you're just like, okay, you're like, slow horses down, buddy. <laughs> I don't remember those specific. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I, I, what I did know is that Garrett had some other shows um, that he did, and you know, obviously, for anyone that that reads reads SBI and follows SBI through the years, uh, a podcast is something that you know. I've wanted to do for a long time, just could never find the time to do it or, or, or the people to kind of get it off the ground. And even though I talked here and there with people, I just could never get it going. So one time, so one day me and Garrett just online, just started talking about it and I just picked his brain on the show and the whole idea of the show. And then, and then before you know it, we started to do it. And once we got it rolling, it was, uh, it was pretty easy. So here we are, uh, 63 episodes later and, uh, we're going pretty strong. And, uh, as we head into this little, this break, our first break, actually, since we started the show, I think we're in a pretty good spot. We've got a you know a ton of listeners now. The the show, the the, show, the audience is is really healthy, and hopefully now when we uh, we get back from our break, we'll uh, we'll be able to you know kick things to into another gear and hopefully find a sponsor uh, and, and help us out, help us put together a better show, and uh, and then we'll take it from there. I think, but I tell you what, it's been, it's exceeded all my expectations, and uh, I, I think you know I was pretty lucky to find Garrett, and and he's been great to to help get it off the ground. You know, I will admit that when we did start the show, I promised you I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll get it on iTunes, and we'll do all this. I had no idea what I was doing until we actually till we it all actually happened. Like I, I was just being, I was like, yeah, I'm confident, I, I could do it. I had no idea. 
So that's the, that's that's Garrett's his life motto is fake it till you make it. <laughs> I was like I was like I remember like the first time we were trying to get the podcast up. I got it up and it was like really quiet or something like that. I was like, "Oh, it's, it's a computer error." No, I, I was still trying to figure it out. So uh so I, so I tricked Ivis for the first month into into making it seem like I was a legit producer. So thank you, Ivis. Well, well, I think our listeners were fully aware that you were not a legit producer, <laughs> but you're way be- you're way better now. So yes, yes, I, I figured out the the nineteen eighty three Apple computer matrix setup in my room to record all this show. So yes, you, you should see it. It's very it's very nineteen eighties looking with cables everywhere. How do you know about the eighties? We're not even alive. I was born in eighty seven. Come on, I'm not that young. I'm not oh, I'm not oh. that young. <laughs> there you go. I will say though, I will say it is weird meeting kids born like in the year two thousand now. Like, cause I think that's when your kids were born, right? In the two thousands? Yes. It's crazy. Well, it's weird. I'll tell man. you I'll tell you a funny story real quick so we can wrap the show up. Because I, I think you and I are both kind of already I'm already on, I'm already on vacation, dude. We're already thinking about our vacations because Garrett's <laughs> going to Europe. I'm going to Peru in in less than 48 hours, so we're we're already thinking about about getting on those planes. But but I will give this one last story. So I was doing a little shopping, a little pre trip shopping, and uh, I had an old twenty dollar bill. The before they they did Ooh. before they redesigned the twenties. Uh, where the faces where the faces like it doesn't it's not the it doesn't go from top it's to a bottom. Small face. Yeah, small face. Yeah. 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 So uh, I handed it to the cashier, and uh, the cashier looked at me like I was crazy, like I was from Mars. She just looked at it, and she like looked it up and down. She called her manager. She's like, "What is this?" And she literally had never seen seriously that twenty. She had never. And then you know when I looked at it, I looked at the. It, it was from like it, it was nineteen ninety on the bill, and uh, and this girl and there was a girl, and she could, she was probably. 17 16 at the time so clearly like she had she hadn't even been around when the t- the old 20s were, were out and that and i'll tell you what that made me feel so old it wasn't even it wasn't even funny and then and then as if that didn't make me feel old enough that night dc united rookie michael <laughs> seaton uh makes his debut his mls debut and becomes the first mls player to play in the league who was born after the league started and and that's a pretty that's a pretty good pretty big milestone for the league but it made me and everyone else that follows mls feel pretty damn old damn god yo, dude that is insane ivis younger than the league that's the first off it's, league. It's, that's, uh, yeah. it's great to see one where the league has gone guys where it's where it's at now since i mean since 96 the early 2000s you know well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing, right? And I know there are people out there who who rip on the league every chance they get, say the the quality's not as good as it used to be, or it's it's a crap league, this or that. I'd say what the league is so much better now than it used to be. When you talk about the the the, the M- MLS in the '90s to now, I know some people argue it. I know some people say, oh, it was it was better then, and even some people who, who like are in. You know, big people in the game that will, will try, you know, I think it's a lot of nostalgia. You know, I think, look, hey, some of those teams were pretty damn good. Let, let's face it. DC United in the in, in the early years, the LA Galaxy in the early years, the Chicago Fire in the early Bob Bradley years. Those teams were, were among the best ever still to this day. But you know what? The league as a whole, though, wasn't nearly as strong. And I think that's, you know, you can argue both. And both those things are true because, if anything, those teams then were just so dominant, and the people who ran them just were like head and shoulders above the other teams in the league. And as far as uh, no being able to judge talent, knowing the American player pool, 
they were just so far ahead. Bruce Arena was just so far ahead of the game. Bob Bradley was so far ahead of the game. The Galaxy did a great job with their foreign players. So, yes, there were some amazing teams back then, but the quality overall of the league, the talent pool, was not even close to what it is now. Uh, and, and I think and I think most people who remember, who the most people who followed the league for a long time, I think would agree with that. Well, also, even like when it comes to the marketing, like that Mojo video I told you to watch the other day, or even that uh, that that photo shoot that resurfaced over the week of the MLS players, I think in like 2002 or something like that. I mean, dude, it's comical when you look at stuff like that. And there's no way stuff like like that would ever would ever happen with with the way MLS is now today. No, it's uh, the league's better now. The league's definitely growing, and uh, I mean, the game is growing overall. I mean, it's not just MLS. Uh, I mean, think about the NASL. I mean, the NASL drawing is drawing big numbers now, and they're, they're doing pretty well. Uh, the Cosmos are back. Uh, and, you're, you know, it's not just the Cosmos. There's all these other teams that are, they're, you know, with San Antonio, Minnesota, uh, you know, they're drawing. And then USL Pro, I mean, Orlando City, look at Orlando City, a USL Pro team, and, they're, and, and all the hype that they've been able to build up and the momentum toward uh, potentially and very likely getting an MLS expansion team. So it's just great to see. It's, and I tell you what, it, it's going to be fun. It's gonna, I'm very curious to see. When I go to Peru, I'm going to be in Peru for two weeks. I am going to be keeping an eye on and, and trying to get a sense from people there what they think of the league. And I'm sure you probably do the same thing when you're in Europe. Uh, just because I, I, what I have learned and what I have found in my travels is that a lot is that the, the perception overseas uh, and in foreign countries, foreign countries is that MLS is improving and the league is getting stronger. Mm-hmm. So that while some people here might disagree. The perception around the world is that, yes, the American soccer as a whole is improving and MLS is improving. Actually, well, I'm actually going to try to catch some games out there, some Swedish games, maybe a game in the Norwegian League. And then I'm actually very excited. Due to a connection to one of my jobs, <coughs> the one named which one, uh, I'm going to go to Bronby <laughs> and be foreign press for the day and interview a player that used to play <coughs> somewhere in Arizona. So I'm looking very forward to it, being foreign press for the day. Who's that player? Um, it's for a job that I work out here. That you know, we don't we don't need to talk about Ivis. Yeah, <laughs> but I was asking you who the player was. I didn't. I was asking. Uh, he's an El Salvadorian player. His name is Mikey uh, Orellana. Okay, El Salvadorian. He played in the world in the U twenty World Cup recently. Ah, yes, nice. yes. So I'm excited. I'm, gonna, I'm excited. I'll be four impressed for the day. It'll be interesting to see what that's like. You know. <laughs> I'm look, make sure you take pictures. I'm, I'm Mike Dorian. My ca- my camera will be with me. And don't worry, Ivis. Since you followed me on Instagram, I'll be able to update you with all my Instagram pictures. Yeah, that's right. And I, as will I. I will, <laughs> I will be. I, for those who hadn't heard, I did fire up the Instagram account. I had. I actually had started it last year, mm-hmm. but then I didn't really do anything with it. But now with my trip to Peru coming up, uh, I'm going to be taking a ton of pictures. And obviously, it's not going to be soccer related. A lot of Machu Picchu pictures and a lot of food pictures. Uh, but you know, if you're into the Instagram thing, you can find me on there. All my pictures are I mean, pictures of museums and stuff like that. Educational, <laughs> educational areas. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, every every day you're gonna give you're gonna do like a half hour of of, of running around and getting those shots. And then going back to bed, uh, recovering. From no, the, no, 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 no. That's not true. Actually, my my old roommate lives in Oslo, so I have a. I'll be able to get a really cool, unique, you know, a locals, you know, locals perspective on the city. So I'm looking forward to it. I was, so, I'm sorry. He's going to take the pictures. No, no, come, I'm <laughs> responsible. I'm, you should see it. Dude. I, I was in Asia last year and I took hundreds of pictures. I was actually in Cambodia yeah, to Angkor Wat. None that we, none that you can show. I'm sure. No, 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 stop it. I'm not like that. Come on, <laughs> Ivis. Okay, look, I joke around a lot, folks, but listen, Garrett is a saint. He actually went. To, he he goes to church regularly. Oh, dude, he's, 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 oh. he's a part. 
He's a choir boy, folks. Clean, clean living. People who listen to me listen to the show are probably dying right now. I missed that. That wraps up the show today, man. Yeah, you need to pack for vacation. I need to pack for vacation. I don't want to talk to you for two we're, weeks. We're, so we're both gonna pack the day of. Yeah, I'm, I'll be packing Wednesday night. Yes, exactly. <laughs> probably five hours before the flight. <laughs> That's right. Well, folks, we're we're gonna take a break now. Actually, you, just we weren't gonna say this, but we may have a show tomorrow. Uh, uh, we may have a show uh, Monday night for Tuesday uh, to preview the U.S. game. Uh, be mainly because the U.S. roster still is not out. We weren't able to really give a proper preview. Yeah, so don't, don't kill who's... us in the comments if you're like, oh, you didn't make the team, blah, blah, blah. Yes, we know. We recorded this Sunday night. Take it easy. Right. We don't know who's on the team yet. But uh, there's a good chance, uh, unless I'm way too busy packing and preparing for my trip, there's a good chance we're going to do a you know do a short uh, SBI show uh, for Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, and we usually, it's funny, whenever we plan for a short show, it ends up still being an hour. I don't know how that works, but it always seems to be the case. And if Ibis can't do the show, I'll just do it myself. And don't worry, I can provide character voices for about six different people at one time. So oh boy. look forward to that. We definitely don't need that. I'll be, I'll have SoundCloud on delete. I'll have it already. Oh, you know, I could do like a Thierry Henry impersonation. I could do that. I mean, who else could I do? Okay, tell. All right, listen, folks. This is what we're gonna. Have. <laughs> if you're still listening, I'm sure most people have tuned out by now. <laughs> no, they we've are. Been, Come we've on. been rambling for about ten minutes. But if you're still listening and you want to hear impressions, you let us know and we'll see about doing some impressions. Oh, that's actually pretty. Oh my god, that could be bad. Yeah, we're gonna start. We're gonna start doing some soccer impressions and just ruin, <laughs> just really ruin the show. Let's just. Ruin, we'll save them for the end of the show. We won't just sprinkle them in. We'll save them for the end so people who don't want to hear them Ru- ruin, just turn it off. We'll ruin the small amount of credibility that we do have. We have credibility. <laughs> Maybe I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> well, we have. Hey, we have more than most. <laughs> we have more than most shows out there. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. You have a uh, have a nice vacation, man. Enjoy Peru and uh, enjoy enjoy your well deserved time off, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. You too, and uh, don't have too much fun over there in Europe. I I won't. I'm a scor- You know what? I'm a. Sc- I don't know if I told you. I'm escorting my grandma to Europe. She's going on a cruise, so I got to be responsible for certain parts of this trip. I can't be. <laughs> yeah, don't get locked up. <laughs> you don't want to be locked up abroad. Just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that sh- have you seen that show? Yeah, <laughs> we, we, <yes. laughs> okay, right. You got to wrap this show. Uh, well, Ivis, like I said, have a good time on vacation. Um, Ivis and I will be back the next time we will do a show. The show will be on the website, iTunes, Stitcher, everything else on August uh, Friday. Excuse me, August thirtieth. That's that's when the next show will go up. So the ne- the next full show. Yes, we may next have full a, show. We may have a USA Bosnia ro- slash roster preview show for tuesday but barring that our next complete full sbi show will be august 30th and before i go i do want to say uh since you know for those of you who don't know what you can do with yourselves for the two weeks for the three weeks that we're going to be gone remember we do have the full archive of all 63 episodes of the sbi show and if you haven't heard them all i'm not saying you need to listen to all of them but we've got some pretty good interviews uh in in that mix obviously paul Ariola. Was in was our guest in episode sixty two. That was a great. I thought that was a great interview. He was great. Uh, but we we've got all, all sorts of interviews that maybe you've missed if you haven't been listening to us regularly. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Tim Howard, Terrence Boyd, Eddie Johnson, Breck Shea, we've had we've had a bunch of guys uh, through the first uh, the first sixty three episodes. Uh, so if you haven't heard them, make sure you give them a listen because there's some really good ones there. The Terrence Boyd one, I highly recommend. That was awesome. He, he for me still my favorite interview so far that we've done so if you haven't heard that one listen give that one a listen go into our archives 
Uh, and also, you can l- listen to the archives just so you can hear the the best uh, intro music of any show out there, or the outro music because the outro music's pretty good too. I'll take your word for it. I never listened to it. Um, hey, I also thought Hercules Gomez was in, his interview was great too. Hercules was good. Hercules was good. Uh, Will Johnson, Brad Guzan, both those guys were on the same show. Dan Kennedy was good. Who you know? Yeah, he tried was to good. save Chivas tonight. Yeah. Yes. So it's gonna be a while, but. Uh, I think all of you guys can manage, and you know we appreciate it as always. You know everyone listening to the show and, uh, and telling us how much you guys like it. We really appreciate it. Ivis have a good time on vacation. This is the SBS show.